This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website, www.anchorchurch.com.au. And uh, we're going to jump into Psalm 84, a little bit of Psalm 84. This is less preach and a little bit more just stirring and vision casting this morning. So, but why don't we pray together? Our Father God, we thank you this morning that you are our God. And we want to begin this year, 2022, with a deep sense of humility and a deep sense of dependence on you. As we stare down the barrel of another year that we have no idea what it looks like. God, we want to say we trust you. And Father, I pray that you would take these dry bones of a sermon that I've prepared today and breathe life into them. And I pray, Father, that you would stir something in our community this morning that would bear fruit this year in the life of our church, in the life of every single individual in this room, in the life of every triplet that's going to meet this year, in the life of every single gospel community that will gather together. God, we pray for an awakening, a deeper sense of communion with you this year. So Holy Spirit, please stir what you want to do this morning through this word. We're expectant. We want to receive from you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, Vision Sunday is um, the opportunity that we have to cast our minds forward, to think about the year ahead, uh, to communicate what is on the horizon and some of the things that we believe God has for our church. Now, having said that, we, we do this every year and we put something before our church. But having said that, nothing really changes about the core DNA of who we are, of what we believe God has called us to, of what the scriptures say is the place and purpose of the church in the world. None of that really changes. Vision Sunday for us is really about us being sensitive to what God has for our community in the season ahead, what God has put on the horizon for us. We still exist to do whatever it takes to help the wayward find home. That does not change. We still want to be a church where the lost and the de-churched and the disenfranchised and those who are frustrated with religion and those who have walked away from church would come back and find grace again. That's the type of church we want to be. None of that changes. We still want to be the church that will make disciples, who will go and make disciples, who will go and make disciples, who will go and make disciples. We still want to see gospel communities multiplied. We still want to see churches planted. None of that changes. We still want to create inspiring gatherings here on a Sunday morning where people will come and encounter the presence of God and leave this room filled and strengthened for whatever their week will throw at them. We still want to be the type of church where there is prophetic preaching of God's word, where we are speaking to the real issues of people's lives, where we are able to look at the culture around us and deconstruct it and rebuild it with a biblical worldview. We still want to be the type of church that has authentic community at the heartbeat of who we are. Like real, genuine community. 
we say at Anchor, we don't do fake. We don't want to have a pretense. We don't want to be pretending. We want a type of community, both here on a Sunday and in our gospel communities, where people are so captured by the truth that they are sons and daughters loved by God that they can be entirely real with the people around them. But we're not pretending. We still want to be an authentic community. We still want to make emotionally healthy missional disciples. We want to prepare you for what it looks like to walk into your job on Monday morning and be a missionary sent by God to that place to bring the light and love and good news of Jesus there. And we want to prepare you to do that in a way that has a deep sense of emotional health to who we are. And we still want to be the type of church, as Alnado reminded us last week, that is multiplying healthy gospel communities and churches. None of that changes, right? So there's the 30-second overview of the vision of our church. None of that changes as we dive into this year. But today what I want to do is to perhaps give some fuel to that type of of vision. Perhaps give us some fuel for the year ahead, some foundation that we begin to build some of those building blocks on. And I have a very simple dream for our church this year. A very simple hope for Anchor City in 2022. And my hope is that we would deepen our dependence on God. That we would grow in our prayerfulness. That we would experience a deeper joy in communion with the Father. That's it. That's my hope for this year. And we want to be really practical about that, really simple and really clear about that. And and in a moment, I'm going to put out before us a couple of next steps this year that we have dreamt about and planned for that to happen. But I recognize that as I say that, I've probably just lost half the room. You're like, prayer? Really? Can't we just go back to build the house like we did last year? I mean, we only got halfway through the year. We didn't finish on that vision. And it's way more practical. I'm all on board for building the house, but prayer, I can't even concentrate long enough to pray. Some of you might be thinking, well, I I hate praying. When it comes to open prayer in GC, I'm just like, man, I really hope that everyone doesn't notice that I'm just going to sit here really quietly and say nothing. I don't know what to say. I'm not eloquent. Like I can't think of the words to come out of my mouth. It's jumbled. It's back to front. It's upside down. A year of prayer. Are you kidding me? Some of you think of like the prayer and worship nights that we have. And just think I could never, ever stand up and pray in public in front of people. And I want to say I hear you. I resonate with a lot of those things. Just so you know, sometimes I get caught up in my own head thinking about what I'm going to say because I'm more focused and worried about what people are going to think of my prayer than I am concerned about reaching and, um, and, and speaking my heart to God. Right? I wrestle with that. I, I actually really wrestle with concentration. I think if I was born a generation ago, I would have been diagnosed with ADD because I, I just re- I'm very, very easily distracted. Like I'll start praying and then all of a sudden my to-do list pops into my mind or the conversation I'm about to have or, you know, something that I just watched on Instagram is like captivating my attention. Right? I struggle to concentrate. I've had to build things into my prayer routine that help me stay focused, like writing down because I can, I'm very tactile. I like to do things. So I resonate with some of those struggles that you have. 
And perhaps maybe our wrestle with that is, is that our definition of prayer is very narrow. Like the only thing that we can conceive of, of prayer is the thing that we do at the end of GC. That's the only thing that we can conceive really of prayer. But, but prayer really is so much more expansive than that. The um, Christian psychologist David Benner says in, in his opening chapter of his book on, um, on prayer called Opening Up to God, he lists like two full pages of all of these activities that fall under the banner of prayer. Like sitting and, and enjoying nature and being mindful that God created all of that and allowing a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. That's prayer. And you've not even said anything out loud. So my hope and dream for this year, for 2022, is that we would simply, wherever you're at on your personal journey of prayerful dependence, is that you would go deeper. Not that you would pray more, right? That's not my goal. But that you would enjoy prayer more. That you would yearn for and long for the presence of the Lord in a fresh way this year. That's my hope. That's my dream. And then that would animate every other corner of our life and part of our church. But you might be thinking, well, why? Why prayer? Why now? Why this year? Well, here are a couple of reasons why I think we need to spend the year focusing in on prayerful dependence. The first is we are busier than we have ever been. Does anyone feel that? We are busier than we have ever been. I was reading a, a report that came out of the Pro, uh, Productivity Commission that said that our work hours have increased by 8% compared to pre-pandemic work hours. 8%. It's a, roughly the equivalent of about 50 minutes a day. So there goes your commute, right? For all of you who are like, I have more time now because I work at home. No, you don't. You're just working 8% more than you did on average. Your commute time has been eaten up with work time. We are busier than we have ever been before. We are certainly more distracted. Big tech is vying for your attention in a way that it has never done in a period of history like we live in right now. We are distracted. We are busy with work. We are stretched. And the cultural architecture of our world does not unintentionally form us into prayerfully dependent people who would sit and enjoy God because our world glorifies busyness. We're addicted to being busy. What's the thing that you say to someone as soon as they ask you how you are? What's your response? Hey, I'm busy. Thank you for the three people who were just honest then. I'm so busy. So busy. Man, this year has started. I'm, so, I'm flat out like a lizard drinking, mate. You know, like whatever your version of busy is, right? We are addicted to busyness and busy has become our identity because somehow we believe that when we're busy, we're being productive and contributing to the world and making a difference. I believe that we need to learn again what it means to be still and to stop our frantic activity and just rest and allow the sovereign God to be the one who is at work in our lives and in our world. I believe we need a year of prayer because we are tired and apathetic. Anyone else feel like that? Like we've just spent two years doing less than we've probably ever done, maybe working more hours in the day than we would like to have worked, but less social activity, less travel, less holidays, a lot of time spent at home, and yet we're still really exhausted and tired. 
Like even if we just pan back out a little more than the last two years, just the things that have been happening in our world have kind of just left us really jaded. And we feel apathetic about everything. You know, last week I sat with a bunch of pastors, um, like the next generation of pastors coming up in our, in our state. And the thing that so many of them said as we headed into what is probably one of the sig- most significant seasons for pastors' lives, like the start of a new year, we all had Vision Sunday on the horizon. And we all lost count of the amount of times where someone said, I'm just feeling a little bit apathetic. Like I've, I've made plans for the last two years. My vision Sundays have been grand and then COVID's kind of come in and just derailed. Ah, feeling a little apathetic about 2022. I'm tired. Perhaps we need a year of prayer because we feel anxious. You know the peace that God promises for his people, that shalom that ought to be a mark of the people of God, but, but yet anxiety is just running rife through our culture and through our churches. We're, we're anxious. We're worried about everything. Job security, health, relationship strain, just the meta things that are happening in our world around you know, the church and where we stand, around racial tensions. I mean, you name it. Geopolitical things that are happening, potential war between Russia and Ukraine. We're anxious and God is the God who promises peace. He is the one who, who says that when we experience the order of things, the shalom, the way that things ought to be, we ought to be the most peaceful people on the face of the planet because we trust in a sovereign God. We need a year of prayer because of the uncertainty of COVID. Right? I have no idea what 2022 will be like. Right last year, if you remember, Vision Sunday, build the house, rebuild our gatherings. We're going to do all this stuff together. We're going to get back to the way things were in 2019. And then, you know, next minute, another lockdown. Here we are back, back doing church online again. I'm like, man, what a, at, at least with a vision for prayer, like lockdown can't rob us of that, okay? We can, we can pray whatever 2022 throws at us. But there is a, just this general sense of uncertainty of what the year looks like. And we need to learn what it looks like again to trust in the sovereign God to whom none of this is a surprise. Like God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen next week. He knows what's going to happen next month. He knows every single day of 2022 and he's trustworthy and prayerfulness, prayerfulness is about saying to God, I'm not in control. I'm not in control of this year, but you are. I want to trust you. The things that are on my radar, the things that I'm worried about, the things that are coming up, I'm prayerfully dependent about all of these things, God. We need a year of prayer because prayerful dependence is the church's greatest need. Now, if you don't believe me that that's an accurate statement, then perhaps you would believe D.A. Carson, who's probably the most preeminent professor of New Testament alive today. And will one day we will look back and say, Don Carson was the most significant theologian of the 21st century. He says this. He says that prayer is the most urgent need of the church. He begins his, um, the introduction to his book, A Call for Spiritual Reformation, by posing that question. 
What is the church's most urgent need? Is it biblical literacy? Like, do we need a fresh outpouring of rich, theologically, biblically accurate teaching? Yes. Is it personal holiness and obedience, recapturing the lordship of Jesus over our lives, that we would be a people that would not have a discontinuity between what we say we believe and how we live our lives? Yes. Is it that we need humble and holy leaders? Amen. Is that ever true then in 2022, that we need church leaders who would be humble and holy and fearful of God more than they are clamoring for the attention of people and the likes and views on social media? Yes. But he says that what we need more than anything else, the church's most pressing need today is prayer. Why? Well, his argument is that prayer is the foundation for all of those things. Prayer is the fertile soil that will give birth to biblical literacy and holiness and humble leadership. It's prayer that will produce all of those things. It's prayer that those things are the foundation that those things are built upon. I believe we need a season of prayer because we are far too self-sufficient as people. We are far too self-sufficient. You know, the, the lie that we've believed in the Western church, at least, uh, I'm not speaking for any other part of Christianity other than the Western church, the Australian church, the American church, the British church, the, our mega church world, you know, with all of the the huge things that happen in our church that are published and for all of the Western church, we really don't need God to do what we're doing. There's a formula to church growth. Books have been written about it. And we have believed the lie that prayer is only really necessary when we find ourselves in a bind. Because for the most part, we're actually quite capable we're not dependent on God for our daily needs. We're not dependent on God for our housing. We're not dependent on God for our food. We're not, we're not dependent on God for provision. We're, we're quite capable of doing nearly all of the things in our life by ourselves. I mean, we can take care of our own health. We can ride out a global pandemic. We are far too self-sufficient. Psalm 127 verse 1, that, that beautiful verse that says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers, the builders, they work in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay on guard in vain. We are far too self-sufficient. And for too long we've been attempting to do the mission of God without the Spirit of God, without the power of the Spirit of God. We are far too self-sufficient and prayerful dependence looks like us getting on our knees and saying, God, we cannot do this. What you've put before us is actually beyond our capacity. We need you desperately. And the final reason that I believe we need to focus on prayer this year is that every single revival in history has been kindled by a small group of people getting on their knees and seeking the face of God and crying out for revival in their city and in their nation. The lost in our city desperately need this church 
to plead with God, to pour out his spirit that people would come home. So I believe we need a year of prayer, a year of prayerful dependence. I cannot think of anything more pressing, more urgent, more needed, not just for our church, but for the broader church in our city. That we would open ourselves up to God and learn to pray like Moses, learn to pray like David, learn to pray like Paul, learn to pray like Jesus did. You know, the great um, Scottish Reverend uh, Robert Murray McShane said this, What a man or woman is alone on his knees and before God, that he is and no more. Let me just read you that again. What a man or woman is alone on his or her knees before God, that he is and no more. Our prayer life says a lot about us. Or our lack of prayer says a lot about us. What I would love to see us do at Anchor Church this year is just to turn the dial up a bit on our prayerful dependence, on our communion with God. Now, for those of you who have been here for a while, you'll say, hang on a second, Matt. Isn't this just more of God 2.0? And yes, I'll admit to you, there's a bit of more of God in this. Or some of you who have been here even longer will go, hang on a sec, wasn't that the vision of 2017? Prayer? Yes, it is. This has been a journey for us. This is something that we need to continue to lean into. That we would be a church. I, I desperately want Anchor not to be known for the, the, the hipster church, the church that meets in a live music venue, the church that is planted. I want us to be known as the church for two things. One, that we were prayerfully dependent. This was a church where prayers got answered, that we sought the face of, and favor of God. And the second thing I want our church to be known for is that we are the church where the lost and the wayward would come and find home here. That's it. That's what I want us to be known for. That's what I want our reputation to be known for. So yes, this isn't new. Yes, this is something that we've done before and it's something that I want to continue to grow in. I want us to turn the dial up this year on that. So let's come to Psalm 84 with that very long-winded introduction on why prayer is necessary. Psalm 84, the verse that's, uh, those, those verses that James read out for us. Psalm 84 verse 1 says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty, Lord of hosts, God of armies. That's what that word means. How lovely is your dwelling place. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Psalm 84 is what is called a pilgrim psalm, a psalm of ascent. Not everybody lived within close proximity to the temple. And so many of God's people would have to travel, would have to pilgrimage back to Solomon's temple for significant events. Perhaps the Feast of Tabernacles or Yom Kippur, the day of the Lord. They would pilgrim, they would travel for many, many days with a heart of longing to be gathered with God's people, to worship at the temple, to see again the splendor of Solomon's temple. 
Here is the psalmist yearning after the presence of God, a hunger for corporate worship. And he says there, my soul, my heart, and my flesh, literally all of his being, spiritually, emotionally, physically, he is hungry for the presence of God. You know, a number of years ago, I traveled to Orlando for uh, a global leadership conference. And it was a great week, but I hate traveling. I hate traveling by myself, and I hate being away from Tash and the kids. And so I was, I was missing them like crazy all week. The time zones are like messed up. So every time you want to FaceTime the kids, it's like four o'clock in the morning. You can't really do it. Or, you know, I'm running to the next session. My phone rings with FaceTime, I'm quickly chatting, and then I've got to run into the next session. And I was, I was really missing home. I felt really homesick. I was longing to see Tash and the kids be united again. And I jump on the bus to get back to Orlando Airport. And the driver says to us, hey, just so you know, um, there's been a, a massive hurricane that's blown through and there's crazy delays at Orlando Airport. I'm like, no, I just want to get home. I've got like 36 hours of flying. I've got to go from Orlando to LA. I've got a 14-hour layover and then I've got to do that crazy 14-hour flight back. And I was just dreading the fact that I would miss my flight home. Anyway, I got to Orlando Airport and sure enough, Lines are crazy. I check in and the lady says, I'm really sorry, but you've missed your flight. The, the boarding has closed. The plane's leaving. We're, we're going to put you up in a hotel. And I was like, hell no. This is not happening. I was like so stubborn. I was like, no, find me another flight. She's like, well, you and the thousands of other people in this airport, sir, I'm sorry I can't help you. I was like, I'm not. So anyway, I ran through check-in. I put my bag in there. I got there and I rang Virgin Australia like international call. I'm like, I want a flight home and I can see a business class flight to LA and I want that flight now. I'm not hanging up this phone until you get, like I was just desperate. You know that sense of longing for home? That is what the psalmist is feeling here. His, his journey, his pilgrimage to the temple and he is just longing to walk into the courts of the Lord and worship with God's people. Who knows how long it's been since his last fellowship offering? Who knows how long it's been since his last thanks offering? But this psalmist is longing for the presence of the Lord with every fiber of his being. And then you get those beautiful verses there in verse 10 where he says this. Have a look at verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day, one day worshipping God in his temple than a thousand days doing anything else. Like better is, is one day at the New Crown Casino at Barangaroo than a, a thousand Airbnb days in Port Stephens. I don't know what, I don't know what the equivalent is, right? But he, he is... He is longing for just one day of worship at the temple, one day in the presence of God. That is better than a thousand days of experiences anywhere else. And he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. 
Now, there's a bit of contention about what this means because the, the doorkeeper role was really reserved for the Levites. They were the only people who kind of played that role. So perhaps he's saying, I would rather be one of like the low-ranking Levites or even perhaps there are long queues as people would pilgrim for the festivals back to the temple. And he's saying, I'd rather just be stuck in a long queue at the, at the front door, just close enough to God to be almost in his... I would rather be there than doing anything else. James Wong was telling me just before, um, a Miami Heat fan, that um, when he traveled to the US a number of years ago, he got to go to a Heat game He's like, I would rather be in the nosebleed section at a live Heat game than watch a thousand other basketball games where the Heat weren't playing. It's like that, that type of like sense of, I would give anything to just be in the room. A deep longing for the presence of God. Now, as New Testament believers, Right? We know that the presence of God is no longer geographically constrained. But we, we don't have to visit a particular holy place. We know, in fact, that the presence of God is right here amongst the gathered people of God. We know that God has poured His Spirit out into our hearts and that we are little mini temples of the Lord. And yet, this yearning for the presence of God, for a deeper relationship, for drawing near and experiencing the manifest, tangible presence of God in a real way is just as true for us as New Covenant believers as it was for the old. And I don't know about you, but as I read these verses, I'm stirred to want to long for the presence of God like that. Like I want to be in a position where I'm, I cannot wait to get up and pray today. Like, Did anyone wake up this morning and go, I cannot wait to pray. I cannot wait to get on my knees and be in the presence of God. Maybe perhaps some of you, yes. But that's what I want. I want to have a, a yearning and an attitude that says, the best thing that I can do in my week is to be with God's people and worship. The best thing that I can do with my week is gather with my triplet and pray together. The best thing that I can do with my day is to begin with an acknowledgement that God reigns, that He is in control, that I'm hungry for the presence of God. The, um, the great missionary to the, to the Philippines, Frank Labarque, said that he didn't get out of bed on a single day, without acknowledging the presence of God. So we'd wake up and say, hey God. Maybe he didn't say, hey God. He probably, you know, probably a little bit more reverent than that. But hey God, thank you that you're here. I know you're present. Today is your day. Would you just let me be joyful and rejoice in this day that you have made? And he gets out of bed and he's on with his day. Like I, I want to build those types of rhythms and patterns into my day that attune me to the awareness that God is present. Now, I don't know about you, but what, what, what does it look like for that to happen in your life and in our church this year? There are a thousand ways that we can just take another small step of growth in our prayer life. That we could 
build a simple rhythm in our lives that we would just pause. Nine in the morning, 12 in the day, nine in the evening. Just pause and acknowledge God's presence. Learn to do what Brother Lawrence called practicing the presence of God. Just being aware of him so that we don't rush through our day from appointment to appointment, from schedule to schedule, from one chaotic event to the next and just completely forget that God is with us. What does it look like for us to do that? That's the one thing that I'm hoping for this year. The one thing that we would just pray, that we would enjoy praying, that we would take a small step towards deeper communion with God. Because he is always with us and he's always listening. Have a look at what it says in Psalm 116 verses 1 to 2. The psalmist says this, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my cry for mercy, my prayer for mercy, because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. I love the Lord because he what? He does this. He, he leans in. Do you realize that? Isn't that just fathom that thought for a second that the God of the universe who knows every single detail of every human on the face of the planet right now leans in when you open your mouth and pray. He listens. Like even just think about like perhaps at the most generous estimate, there are two billion people who would say that Jesus has somehow shaped or influenced their life and would pray in some form or fashion at any point in like how many people would be praying right now? And yet the God who knows everything and sees everything is attentive enough to listen to your that's a staggering reality that ought to stir within us a deep longing to want to know God better. He is the God who bends his ear, who inclines his ear, who leans in to the prayers of his people. And the profound reality of this truth is that God, prayer rather, is about relationship. Prayer is about knowing God. Prayer is about us speaking with God and God speaking to us. Prayer is about relationship with God. Peter Gregg in his book, How to Pray for Ordinary People, I love it. We're going we're gonna to be working through that course this year. But he says this, lose the sense that prayer is friendship and you'll be left with nothing but theory and technique. Like perhaps for you, it was growing up in a really uh, formulaic way of praying that, that was devoid of any heart. And as good as liturgy is for helping us shape our minds, when liturgy is divorced from heart and passion, it's just technique. Or perhaps you grew up in a context that was so wildly loose and charismatic that there was this real discontinuity between the show that was put on and what was actually happening in your heart that was really no different from a really rigid formulaic faith. 
Prayer is not about technique, but about relationship. It's about knowing God. It's about experiencing Him. It's not just about shopping lists of requests. It's not just about interceding for the things in our life that are outside of our control. At the very core of prayer is friendship with God. You know how many times in the scriptures where it says that we would seek God's face? When you talk to someone in most cultures, not all, but in most cultures, you look at someone's face. You don't talk to someone and look at their feet. You don't talk to someone and, and, and look around. In our culture, at least, that would be rude. You look at someone's face because the eyes and the mouth and the face is a window into their spirit. It's a window into who they are, their emotions. We see so much of a person when we look in their face. And so when the scriptures talk about seeking the face of God, we're talking about friendship, relationship with the God who gets Get this, bends down and listens when you speak, when you pour your heart out, when you cry, when you confess, when you repent, when you intercede, when you sit in silence. Prayer is about relationship. And one of the things that I want to do this year uh, in the life of our church is to help us think about prayer as a vehicle for spiritual formation. Prayer as a vehicle for forming us to be more like Jesus. You know, so often we, and there's truth to this, right? We think about prayer in terms of my prayers are going to change the world. And may we never lose the sense that God wants to partner with us in fulfilling his mission in this world through the prayers that we pray. Yes and amen. But When that's the only thing we think about prayer, often we lose the fact that prayer is not so much about God taking, you know, God doesn't need me to inform him about his plans for the world, right? He already knows what he wants to do. Prayer is often more about God changing me than it is about God changing the world. I want us to think about what prayer looks like in forming us into the image of God. So what will this look like for us in 2020? 22. Well, as James has already mentioned, the first Monday and Tuesday of every month, we're going to set aside for 24 hours of prayer and fasting. 24 hours of prayer and fasting. Now, for some of you who have never done that before, don't freak out. We're going to give you some guidance about what fasting is. But we want to fast together as a church. And so starting tomorrow, tomorrow is the first Monday of the month, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, for a 24-hour period, I want to invite our whole church family to fast from food if that works for you. Some of you may not be able to fast from food for medical reasons. That may not be helpful. Some of you may choose to fast from something else. But to fast together to seek the face of God for 2022. And to simply say to God over and over again in the next 24-hour period, God, would you help me this year to enjoy praying more? This is a really honest prayer. God, you know what? If I'm really honest with you, my prayer life is not what I want it to be. I just go through my my day chaotically busy and get to the end of the day and think, oh, yes, God, thank you for helping me get through that. I want to be more aware of your presence. To seek the face of God for whatever he wants to do 
in 2022 this year to do that together. So every Monday, the first Monday and Tuesday of every single month. So just so you know, the staff have been doing this together for the last two and a half years. We start together Monday, midday, and then we break our fast together Tuesday, midday, as we eat lunch together at staff meeting. And that's probably going to have to change because we've moved staff meeting to Mondays now. And we'll we'll figure that out tomorrow. But for a 24-hour period, we have been fasting together and praying for some specific thing. So last year... On our two days, we, we fasted over our Build the House campaign that God would stir a spirit of generosity and then we were able to celebrate $200,000 that had been generously given as a foundation for us to secure some midweek property. So the first Monday, Tuesday of every month are prayer and fasting days. How long have I got? I've got a lot to say still, so hang in there. Secondly, uh, starting this, this term, All of our gospel communities will be working our way through a prayer course together, written by Peter Gregg, who is author of a book called How to Pray for Ordinary People. He's not a, um, you know, significantly, you know, he's actually the founder of the the 24-7 prayer movement. And he has figured out what it looks like to help everyday people pray ridiculously. They've been praying together 24-7 for a significant period of time, and his book is delightfully simple. And so we're going to work through his course over the next eight or nine weeks as you launch your GC. Together, we're going to be going through that course in the hope that that fuels prayerful dependence in us. Our anchor getaway this year, coming up, first weekend in in May, sorry, rather than that being a significant teaching retreat, We're going to make that a prayer retreat. We're going to ask every single person to come and to lock their phone away for the entire period of that weekend and to learn what it looks like to practice stillness and slowing and silence. You know, the the best way to learn how to pray is not to sit in a seminar and hear someone teach you about praying, but actually to pray. So we're going to do that together. We're going to go full acoustic, strip everything back, unplug it all, and spend the weekend praying and in silence and stillness. We're going to be launching um, two nights this year where we want to um, come hungry for God to do things that only He can do in His power. Encounter nights where we will be praying for healing for people who need healing praying for breakthrough for people who are experiencing significant obstacles in their lives. We want to come to those nights with a deep sense of expectation that God wants to work powerfully in our church. We're going to be launching uh, a little bit later on 70 days of prayer together. Now, why 70 days? Why not 30? Isn't that the magic number? 30 days of 30, 30 days to form a new habit. We've all heard that. Well, I did some research at the end of last year, and in fact, it's not 30 days. It's a minimum of just over two months. That's what the research says, a minimum of just over two months to be able to form a new habit. For some, it can take a lot longer. Depending on the personality and depending on the habit that you're trying to form, it can take up to a year. So at the very minimum, we're going to do 70 days of prayer together. We're producing some journals that will come out that will guide you through what it looks like to form and shape some prayerful rhythms in your week. Simple, practical, achievable things 
that we can be doing together. And the final thing that I want us to be doing this year is to teach us to be prayerfully leaning into the things that God is wanting to do in our world. Prayerfully dependent on God for mission. We want to, we want to think about what it looks like for us to be attuned to the people that God is already working in. Like there are people in your sphere of influence that God is already working in their lives. And rather than trying to manufacture the work of God, we want to say to God, would you open our eyes to the things that you are already doing and help us to lean into them? So yes, we're still going to do five for five. We still want really intentional mission happening at the heartbeat of our church, but we also want to be aware and alert to what God is doing in the spontaneous moments. So for some of you who've been around for a while, the sixth chair, the sixth person on our five for five list, those holy encounters that God just drops into our day and into our lives. So those are the, some of the things that I'm hoping we, that we will do. Sorry, not hoping that we will do. Some of them are already in the calendar. They're already there. They're already works in progress. We're, we're going to see some of those things roll out this year to help stir a deeper communion, a deeper prayer life, a more enjoyable walk with Jesus this year. That's my simple hope and dream that every single person who calls Anchor Church home would look back on 2022 and say, wow, I I love God more this year. I've seen answers to prayer this year. Like just dream with me for a second. What could be possible if we would take this step of faith together? There's something powerful about a church doing things together. Right, that's the picture of the early church in Acts chapter 4. They were together. Acts 13, together they were praying and fasting. And then the Lord said, send out Paul and Barnabas. There's something powerful about a church doing something together. What would it look like, church, if we did this together this year? I believe we would have a deeper sense of intimacy with God. A richer communion with our Father. That we would experience what it looks like that we would enjoy our adoption, that we would enjoy peace. Whatever 2022 throws at us, whatever comes this year, whatever the next phase of the pandemic looks like, that we would experience a deep sense of peace and trust in the sovereign God, that we would experience a sense of partnership. That prayer is not this interruption to the plans of God, but we are... We are looking for the ways that God is at work in the world and saying, God, would you just show me, open my eyes to see because I want to be a part of what you are doing in this city. I want to be part of what you are doing in my workplace. That we would see answers to prayers. Like things that we've been praying for, perhaps for years. That we would see God answer those prayers. That we would see even miracles in our church this year. Because we worship a miracle-working God. I don't know if you realize that, but that's still true of our God. The God of Acts is still the God of 2022. That we would see a deeper alignment with the purposes of God in our life. That we would have clarity of direction and purpose in our life because we have sought out God's plans 
and not just plowed forward with our own plans and purposes, that we would have more awe and wonder at the handiwork of God as we stand and look at creation and marvel at what He has done or marvel at His work in someone's life or marvel at what is happening in your gospel community, that God would get the glory for that, that we would grow in maturity and Christ-likeness. What would it look like for us, church? to deepen our sense of communion and walk with God this year, to grow in prayerful dependence. You know, I, I, re- I still remember the very first book I read on prayer. It was written by a Korean pastor called Paul Yonggi Cho, who up until very recently, I think, pastored one of the largest churches in the world, in Seoul, in Korea. And... They, I, th- I think if I remember the story correctly, they purchased a mountain and they built all these like little prayer caves in the mountain. And people for the last 30 years have been trekking up this mountain to seek the face of God and revival broke out in South Korea. Read about it. It's incredible what happened when the church in Korea sought the face of God. I still remember reading that book as a young Christian. I was a baby Christian. I read it and it stirred something in me. And I went to my youth pastor at the time and I said, I want to start a prayer meeting for revival in Sydney. And he was like, great. I'm fully supportive. I said, I'm going to do it at 6 a.m. on Friday mornings. He's like, well, let's see who turns up. He turned up. Two other people turned up. And, and we prayed every Friday morning for a work of God in our church, in our youth ministry. Years later, I was a youth pastor at a multi-ethnic church in the western suburbs of Sydney and a similar stirring. And so I said to some of my friends, actually Steve Vasalo and one of my other friends, Matt, at the time, come, let's pray Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. before we all go to work. We're going to pray in the kitchen that God would bring revival. And then as we launched Anchor, I forget what morning it was. I think it was maybe Thursday mornings. We were meeting at Churchill Anglican, just there outside of Wynyard Station, praying for revival in our city. The, the, the thing that I want our church to be known for is that we are a church who prays, who seeks the face of God. And who knows, whatever results happen, right? Maybe we don't see... God's work in our generation. Perhaps this is just foundation laying for the generation to come, but that we would seek the face of God for revival. The Swiss theologian Karl Barth said this, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. This is how we push back the darkness in the world, is to get on our knees before God. Or Oswald Chambers says this, the real business of your life is intercessory prayer. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. There is nothing better that you can do with your lips than to pray. What about share the gospel? Yes. But 
who is it that opens the eyes of the blind as you share the gospel? There is nothing better. There is no more important word that can roll off your lips or come from your heart than prayer. May 2022 be the year that our church discovers what it's like to pray. And maybe that's where we start. God, would you just show me how to pray? Because I don't really know how to do it. I don't really know how to do it in any meaningful, significant way. Would you just teach me, God, how to sit at your feet? Would you teach me what it looks like to depend upon you? And to close with the story of, um, of George Mueller, who was, um, I, I don't know anyone else who has prayed like George Mueller. He, he never asked anyone for a single cent and yet believed that God unleashed millions of dollars for his mission. And all he did was pray. There's a story. Um, he set up orphanages for hundreds of kids to be loved and cared for and experience the love of God. And he tells a story one day of where the orphanage had zero food on the table for breakfast. And all the orphans came in. They sat down at the table. He got up to say grace and he, he prayed and thanked God for the food that they were about to eat, knowing full well that the kitchen was empty. And as he said, Amen, a baker, a local baker, came bursting through the doors and said, God woke me up at 4 a.m. this morning and told me to bake and come and deliver these bread rolls to you. And then five minutes later, a local milkman who was delivering milk, his cart and horse broke down right in front of the orphanage and the only way for him to get back and deliver his, his milk run was to drop the milk off at the orphanage so he could get his cart back and rebegin his day. And so he came and he said, I'm just, I want to give this milk to you as a gift. In fact, George Mueller was so meticulous about noting down his prayer life that he believed that he got to the end of his life and had 50,000 accounted for answers to prayer where he had written down a specific need and God had answered that. And many times he had not told a single soul. Man, I would love to see God work like that in our church this year. Not just that we would pray so that we get stuff from God, but that we would be the type of people who know the deep intimacy of praying before our Father, seeing our spiritual lives explode and seeing God work in profound ways. That's my prayer. It's my hope. It's my dream for 2022. And I want to invite you into that. So as we head into worship right now, I want to invite you all to stand. And if you want to pray a very simple prayer, God, would you teach me to pray this year? I invite you just to close your eyes, open your hands up, in a posture of receiving and ask that God would work in your life, in the life of your GC and in our church. So would you join me? Father God, I thank you that you right now, this is just so staggering, God, that this is true, that you hear us, that you're listening to these words the God of the universe, the God who made everything, the God who knows everything, the God who is hearing a million prayers right now. 
you are leaning in and you're listening. And that is a staggering thought, God. Thank you. Thank you that you care enough to pay attention to our meager prayers. For that, God, we love you. We worship you. God, this year we want to say, please teach us to pray. If we're really honest, we just don't know how to do it. We are so busy. We are so self-sufficient. We're so jaded. Our experience has told us that prayer doesn't work. We're discouraged. We're apathetic, God, because we have no idea what this year is going to look like. And we're afraid that a curveball is just around the corner. And so this morning, God, we want to say we need you. We're desperate for an outpouring of your spirit. So please, would you come and teach us to pray this year? Like show us what it means to be a church that would truly move forward on its knees. Help us to be acutely aware that you're with us. Give us the longing of the psalmist in Psalm 84 that we would yearn after your presence. Not just tick boxes, not wake up and pray because we kind of should pray, but God, pray because we want to be with you. Pray because we love being in your presence. God, that's going to take a real shift in our hearts. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to do that right now. Would you give us new affections, new fresh taste buds that will be so hungry and so thirsty for your presence that we would long for a minute in your presence. Better is a minute in your presence, God, than a thousand hours of Netflix. A minute in your presence, God, than all of the joy of fun and friendship around a table with good food. Better is a minute, God, in your presence than anything else. We want that type of hunger in our lives. So Holy Spirit, please stir that in us. Do what you see fit. As we fast together for 24 hours tomorrow, God, we want to say, that the hunger that we feel is a reflection of our hunger for you this year. We yearn for you. We need you. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. We offer this year to you. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.